Welcome to the Development Podcast, a podcast jam-packed with fantastic advice on professional development from interviews with renowned authors, speakers, industry professionals, and influencers. I'm your host, Martin Manosalvas. Thanks again for tuning in. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining in. Uh, Today, I'm beyond thrilled to have well-known influencer and blogger Megan Ramsey, also known as the Traveling Teacher, on my podcast to discuss changing careers. Uh, So through her well-known blog, Megan has been able to focus on helping people and make trips happen by providing them with the best tips around saving money and providing all things travel resources. A while back, Megan quit her full-time teaching job in Washington, D.C. to work in the education technology sector. Megan has traveled to over 30 countries and has been fortunate enough to experience a whole new world of teaching and traveling. However, that decision to leave a job you know, certainly is not easy, and there's so much that goes into those types of decisions. And so Megan is here to share her advice around you know, pursuing a new career and how to take that next step. Uh, so Megan, thanks again so much for joining my podcast. I'm really happy to have you on my show. How are you doing? Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a good day and I'm doing well. Excellent. So can you start us off with just sharing a bit about your journey and, you know, what compelled you to leave your job uh, teaching in Washington to focus on traveling and um, from a different perspective? Yeah. So, I mean, um, when I started my career um, 10 years ago, uh, I had always dreamed of being a teacher. Like that had always been the thing I wanted to be since high school and um, the goal And the more I was in that role, the more I realized that, like, the idea of staying in the same job for 30 years was just not for me, (laughs) you know? And um, I think we have this idea, especially in education, that, like, you choose to be a teacher and then you do it for the rest of your life. Um, and, And that just... I decided was not me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the other piece of that was like, I was seeing all of these things happen in my school and in classrooms and talking to other teachers. And I was like, I want to be a part of a change in the way we um, teach, right? In the way education mm-hmm. is handled in the United States. And to to do that, I really felt like I needed to step into a new a new role. So I decided to leave the classroom. It's fantastic. And I appreciate you sharing a little bit about your story. And um, sure is a lot that can go into those those sorts of things. And so I'm, I'm curious, what are some questions that you have had to ask yourself beforehand, you know, prior to beginning something new and, and pursuing a new career? I think in sectors like education, nursing, social work, anywhere where you're directly helping people, mm-hmm. um, a lot of guilt goes into that like what will people think if I leave and um like does that mean I don't really care about the kids or um like what does that mean about me as a person you know kind of questions and I think for for me it came down to the fact that like we can be passionate about these things but we you don't have to be in front of kids every single day Mm -hmm. in order to you know make an impact. And so for me, I felt like the the biggest question was like, can I still wake up every day 
and feel like what I'm doing is important mm -hmm. and, and can I still help people? Right. And so, um, the passion is still there. The drive to help kids and like create educational equity for everyone is still there, but I don't have to be in a classroom to do that. Um, so I, I think, I think that that, that's probably the the biggest piece right there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's so important is to figure out what it is that actually drives you every morning to wake up. And, and when you focus on that, it really does make all the difference to why you want to go to work or your perspective behind all of that. Uh, so to expand a little bit more on that, in a blog published in 2019, you stated, I worked a base of 50 hours a week, according to my contract, with monthly meetings where we had to stay until seven and we're told no days off. We come in when we're sick and then we don't ask for time off. The average teacher works 50 hours a week and the amount of guilt associated with taking a day off made me literally cry when I had to do it because I knew my coworkers would have to take the students if I didn't come in. It was an unhealthy policy and promoted burnout. And I'm I found this to be very interesting because I think this is a problem uh, when you think about a, a bunch of different careers and this is a big problem that people face is, you know, going through burnout and um, overcoming it, not only overcoming it, but just how do you even approach it? And so I'm, I'm curious, what advice would you, what advice would you give to people struggling through burnout? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that even, beyond burnout what that also promotes is like it, it creates a toxic workplace where people just don't want to be right like I started just not wanting to go into into work every single day and um it really created a lot of a lot of like cultural issues at my school right like school culture work culture um and I think for anybody who's like going through that the thing that um really shifted for me in the last couple of years I worked there is I really started advocating for myself and like saying what I needed and, um, and, and fighting back on those policies. I think in the U S in particular, we have this idea of like, Oh, well, you know, you work really hard and like that makes you the best employee and like, and that's to some extent true, but at the same time, like it, it creates burnout, right? If we're overworking ourselves and we have a culture of overworking, um, then you're not going to have anybody who wants to work there. <laughs> and you're going to have a really, a really high turnover rate, which was also an issue at, uh, where I was working really high turnover. And, um, a lot of, a lot of people just couldn't, couldn't stay because it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. And so I think you have to find ways to make it sustainable for yourself. So, one, like I said, advocating for your needs and saying like, hey, this is not okay. Or like, here's the problems with this and um, feeling heard. So like a manager needs to listen and respond to their employees' concerns. And then I think the third thing would probably be like, if if they're not listening to you, if you're feeling like nothing is changing, then it's time for you to make a move. Like it's okay to make a move if you need to. Right. And I fully agree with you on that is it's so easy to go into that fall into the mindset and perspective of wanting to work hard. You know, you work really hard and you're going to be the best employee when in reality that may be true um, sometimes, but it's not always the case. And most of the time, if you're putting in all of that work and uh, you kind of think back as to how much are you actually putting in and, um, and, when you think about all of that, I think you're right. It does lead to a toxic workplace. And um, 
it kind of goes along with a little bit more in the article where you stated burnout is the problem with the company, not necessarily the person. And so I'm curious if you can expand more on what you mean by that and and share how organizations can ensure they're, you know, they're being there for their employees and ensure that their employees don't experience burnout. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely think that burnout is a problem with a company and not the person, like I said. And the, and the reason I say that is because, like, the company is creating the systems and setting things up for their workers. And so um, the way that you are responding to, to burnout or people who are saying, I'm overworked or I'm, I'm extremely tired or too many hours, it, 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 it's their problem at that point not yours and like and and at some point you you are responsible to say no i'm not going to work 10 hours a day right but then at the same time if you feel like you can't do your job without working all 50 hours then then the company needs to hire another person or they need to create some new systems that make your job easier so an example of that in my previous role was like we had to do um these one-on-one assessments which is fine. It gives us excellent data. It's needed. But they decided to do it with all handwritten uh, reports. And so we had to do completely handwritten reports. And then we had to retype them all into our computer. And I brought up several times of like, there are programs where we can just do it on a device. And it would cut our time in half, right? More than in half, because then we wouldn't have to give the assessment and then score it on paper and then score it in the computer. So we're cutting it down from three steps to one step because the computer would grade it at the same time you give the assessment. Um, and I was repeatedly ignored, but it would have saved us hours and hours oh. worth of time. And so like by those, by choosing actively not to put systems in place that help people save time and help make their jobs easier, we we're creating burnout. And that was not my mm. problem, right? That was, that was the school and um, the money, <laughs> the money being there and not. And then the other thing is like, how, how do you respond? So my current company, um, when we first went remote, there were so many meetings, so mm. many meetings because people weren't used to not being in the office and like, how do you communicate in, in these times kind of situations. And so on the employee survey, like satisfaction survey, that was what we said. Everyone was like, there's too many meetings. There's not enough, you know, you know, time for me to get my work done and I'm mm -hmm. being overworked. And so my company created a policy called no meeting Thursdays. And now we don't have meetings at all on Thursdays, which is a day designed where you should be working, you know, kind of independently catching up on projects, like making sure you have time to get those things done. And so that's a different type of example, right? Like my company heard something, they responded and created a system to support people not feeling like they're going to burn out. Um, and so it's all in the way a company handles it. Right. And I think it's interesting you bring up the fact that, you know, to a certain extent, it's also the responsibility of the person being able to recognize, you know, can I get this done in this amount of time? Or am I putting in way too much time later on just to get this done? Um, I think sometimes that may get a little bit tricky as to, you know, there are a lot of people out there that want to sacrifice sleep to get work done or want to sacrifice other things. Um, how would you respond to like those uh, th those people, you know, the people that think they can sacrifice a lot 
um, you know, kind of like the workaholics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can. I think, I mean, I think you have to set boundaries for yourself and decide what mm-hmm. you're comfortable with. Um, the other thing I always think of is like, does your company even know you're working all of those hours? Mm-hmm. Like, in and do they, you know, think you're the most amazing employee ever? Are you getting bonuses? Are you getting salary increases that that show that they are, you know, really valuing that? Or or is this something where like you're doing all this extra work just hoping somebody notices? Mm-hmm. Right. So a lot of it is going back to that communication piece and saying and saying like what you need or what you've been doing and and seeing how they they respond, right? Because if your company, if they know you're working extra hours, like I, I had a situation where I was working a ton of extra hours for something and my boss was like, you shouldn't be working that many hours. This person on your team mm-hmm. hasn't been doing very much this week. Like they've had a light workload. Let's just ask them to come and do some of this with you. You know what I'm saying? So like mm-hmm. my company wanted me to feel supported, but they also wanted employees to all stay busy. Right. So like, where can you share the workload or where can you communicate that? Like, I'm, I'm doing all of this working or extra work and like, maybe someone else isn't doing very much at all and could help you out. So I think, I think we have to be ready to say that and, and recognize that. And then it is a fine line because you don't want to like act like you can't get all of your work mm-hmm. done. Right. Um, and so I think you do have to decide at some point, you know, where's the line for you and what's in your job description and not. Right. And it, it certainly is, you know, a big part of it is just trust and communication. You know, there's no way that a company is going to know you're doing all of this if you aren't communicating that and if you aren't, you know, letting your manager, your higher up just know where you're at. So that's a really great point. Uh, so moving forward in, in a Harvard business article, uh, Hermina, uh, Abera stated, everyone knows a story about a smart and talented business person who has lost his or her passion for work, who no longer looks forward to going to the office yet remains stuck uh, without a visible way out. So I, I agree with that. Uh, and I think that it, you know, that it really becomes a common issue. So I'm, I'm curious, how do you figure out what you're passionate about and what are some indicators that should compel you to look for a new job? Yeah, so I I do think it goes back to that point of like what drives you to get out up every morning, but I also like to ask myself like what do I like learning more about? What could I sit and like read read about all day long or what could I um what would I go back to school and want to learn and um do on my own, right? Like independently on my own or um if I could start my own business, what would what would it be about? Um, those are the kind of questions that I that I ask myself to figure out what I'm passionate about. And then, as far as like the indicators for compelling you to look for another job, one I think it comes to what are the opportunities for growth for yourself at that company, right? So every time I interview for a position, I one of the questions I ask is what opportunities for growth are there? Um, And I feel like a lot of people lose their passion when they get stagnant, right? If we feel like we're not advancing, we feel like no one's noticing our work, we feel like we're going unacknowledged, those kinds of things for me are really important. 
And so I always ask in an interview that question to see how are companies investing into their employees? Like if I'm investing 40 hours a week <laughs> into you, what mm -hmm. are you investing into me? Um, and so I think that's a really important piece. And then the last thing is like the, a job isn't just, you know, like getting the work done, right? You're hoping that it has something else of, um, of interest to you and like the people you work with are important and those kinds of things. And so I look for indicators, like as far as looking for a new job, like, do you have a, a boss that cares about you as a person or do you have a boss who, um, or a, a company culture that is always negative or right. people talking positively about the company? Like what do people who work there say about it? What have, what are my colleagues saying about it? Um, I think those are really big red flags as well. The way that the company talks about itself. Um, and that's another question I always ask in an interview. Uh, I always ask like, what's your favorite part of working at X company? Um, and I ask that because I want to know, you know, the, the positive things that are going on there from mm -hmm. their own perspective. Really good point. And I, I love what you, you mentioned is, and I think you're fully right. People want purpose in the work that they're doing and in, you know, how is this contributing and, and why? And I think that plays a major role in looking for a new career and advancing in your career and, and wanting to grow. Is is this something that's actually growing? And are you, you know, to a certain extent, making an impact in that sense? And so it's a good point. Uh, so can you share about the role that networking plays in changing careers and, and what are effective ways to grow your network? Yeah, networking is huge. You know, um, I was just working on creating a workshop on this. I'm, I'm hosting it this week, but, um, and reading some statistics on this. One of the statistics I read just like before we came on um, was about how many people find their job through networking. You know, 57% of people say that they, um, they found their job through a networking contact. Um, and so if we're talking about that many people finding their current position through someone else, uh, networking is huge. But it's also about like creativity mm -hmm. and about, you know, mental health and things like that, right? So if you have someone in your network who's who's helping you out, maybe mentoring you or giving you advice, like that makes you feel so much better when you're trying to apply to a role, right? Because then, then you have the opportunity to um, go into it with a positive mindset and a confidence that is really important. And then the other thing that I read that's really interesting is that um, people who get a referral tend to get a higher, higher income. Um, so they, they have more negotiation room and can negotiate a higher salary. So all of that, I think, just makes networking really important. Um, my favorite networking tools, uh, one, of course, LinkedIn. Um, and I know that it's kind of cliche, but as a teacher, I never had a LinkedIn. Lots of teachers don't create links LinkedIn's. And um, I think that, yes, it's growing, but in, in the ed tech space, it's just huge. Uh, so it's really important to have a LinkedIn. If you're if you're you're a teacher listening into this, create one. 
if you don't have one. Um, but that's like, of course, a cliche answer everyone knows. But my favorite networking tool currently is Clubhouse. And I don't know if you know about that app, but Clubhouse is a an audio only app. And it's kind of like hmm. live podcasts. That's the best way to, to describe it. But there are tons of what they call clubs, so groups, where that you can join and listen in um, to conversations on different topics. So there's everything from, you know, industry specific to just you know, influencer marketing to travel to cooking, like whatever you are interested in, there's a clubhouse group for, and there are experts going on there. Like celebrities even are going on wow. to clubhouse and giving talks and you can ask them live questions. So it's a really impactful tool to talk to experts. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it's a great way to, to also just get to know other people in their careers. And I love that. I'll have to check it out. I, I actually have not heard of it until today. And so I appreciate you letting me know on that. Um, but the stat that you brought up, you know, 57% of people say that they found their job through networking. I, I fully believe that back at the company that I recently interned at, um, their referral program is just becoming bigger and bigger because they recognize that, you know, employees who've worked for other with other employees in the past, you know, their work history says that they're a good employee. And so therefore I'm going to recommend them for this position through experiences. And I think that's such an effective way to recruit someone because it's not just, you know, you're saying nice things about them. You're actually, um, you know, you have a lot of work to back that up. And so I think that's such a great um, perspective and, and approach. Okay. Uh, so my last question around trans uh, transitioning into a new career, I'm curious, how do you overcome criticism and self-doubt? You know, thinking, I don't know if I want to pursue the next step and sacrifice what I have right now, or although I'm in a good, although I'm in a spot right now where I'm making money, um, I think it's easier to be complacent, but I want to make that next change. Um, for those people who are overcoming that criticism and self-doubt, what's some advice that you would share on that? Yeah, so... Um, the thing I think that's the most impactful there is mindset is everything <laughs> um, when it comes to self-doubt and overcoming criticism. Um, what I'll say is I went through a similar thing, right, in my career change. And in 2018, uh, I was like, oh, I'd really like a new career. Like, I think that I want to do something else. I want to make a bigger impact um, and leave the classroom. But I don't think I'm qualified for anything. Like, what if I fail? What, what will people say? I'm, I'm going to feel guilty. Da, da, da. And I put it off. And what ended up happening to me 2018-19 school year was I just regretted it that whole time because I... I knew what I really wanted and I knew that I wanted to move on, but I had chosen not to because I doubted myself. And so it just created more, more bad feelings about myself and more criticism mm -hmm. of myself that I didn't take the chance um, at that time. And so like one, I say, if you feel that way, then you should fully pursue it. But two, like we're all going to have doubts in ourselves and what we need to do. And what I did was I said, Nope, I'm going to go fully into this into in January, 2019. I decided I'm not going to resign my contract and I'm going to like put myself fully into this process and I'm going to get a 
get a new job. And once mm -hmm. I changed my mindset to like, I will do this, it happened. Wow. Um, you know what I mean? And so I, I had to first believe in myself and know that it could happen for it, for things to fall into place. So that's what I have to say. You have to believe mm -hmm. in yourself first. I think that's so good. It's, you know, mindset, and I fully agree, mindset is everything, and perspective is also everything, and look, if it doesn't go well, if if it ends up being a, a failure, there's still a lot that you can learn from it, and it's all about how you view it as well, um, but very courageous act of you, and so that's awesome that you were able to do that, and it's been a success. Uh, so, moving forward, talking a little bit more about your traveling experience, I think it's awesome that you've been, you know, to so many different countries, and you've been able to experience things that, you know, many of us haven't, and I'm sure that traveling has given you a different perspective in how you view things, so just thinking about, you know, your teaching experience, whether that's in Zambia or China or other places, you know, you had the opportunity to work with people from all over and, and kind of teach uh, people from different perspectives and a different platform. And so I'm curious what you think is the most effective ways of learning uh, in relation to, you know, wanting to gain more skills to make so yourself more marketable. Making, as far as making yourself more marketable, I, I, I think that transferable skills are really important um, and showing them how you have the skills already uh, right. And getting kind of creative with that thinking. Um, so for example, in teaching, um, and then in a lot of positions outside of teaching, you're asked for a customer support experience or customer management experience or project management, um, are three big areas. And a lot of teachers will say, oh, well, I don't have any experience with customer support. And I'm like, well, actually you support customers, your students and parents every single day, or, oh, I don't have any project management experience. I'm like, well, actually you're managing a ton of different projects, um, all simultaneously. Think of the unit plans and the, um, content creation and the data analysis that you do with your student, student work. Um, so I, I think that being a little bit more creative with the way that you, um, look at your skills is really important. And then the other thing, um, is like we have to be willing to learn and willing to pivot when we need to so don't be afraid to say like hmm i i'm not sure about this so let me go and take a course on it or let me reach out to somebody i know or let me shadow someone in the current position like be willing to learn and like put yourself out there it's a really good point and you're right there may be a few skills that you have that you just weren't you weren't aware of, you know, make sure that you have that time and take that time to look through, you know, what you've been a part of, the projects, your experience, because you're right, there's a few other skills that you may have learned and picked up along the way that um, you don't know off your top of your head, but you can learn just through spending time thinking about that. Um, I'm, I'm curious, what are the biggest lessons that you've learned through traveling and, and what are some things that you weren't expecting to learn? Yeah, I think that the biggest lesson I've learned through travel is just that, like, we are all so the same, <laughs> like, human beings. Like, we all um, are, you know, we all do things differently, but so 
so similarly. Um, and it creates a lot of empathy and a lot of understanding of different people when you travel. And so I, I always tell everyone they need to get outside their comfort zone and try something new because it, it does give you that empathy piece. And then I think the thing that I wasn't expecting to learn is, I mean, you can, you can never go into a trip with a plan that completely works out how you want it to. So I think that I've learned a lot of flexibility from traveling and I didn't know that that would end up being a thing. <laughs> you, you can never know what's going to go wrong. <laughs> it's interesting that you bring up, you know, we are all the same and, you know, to a certain extent we do things differently, but you know, people are, are around the world, although things are different in different cultures, different perspectives. Um, that is such an interesting thing to even think about. Um, so I appreciate you bringing that up and I appreciate you sharing a bit about that. I, I love that that experience of yours being able to travel. Uh, so are there any final thoughts that you'd like to share before we conclude? Yeah, I guess on the thought of like career changes, um, mm-hmm. like it, it, one of the things people say, ask all the time um, is like, but how do I start? Um, and I think that a lot of people want maybe a career change, but they don't because they're intimidated by it. And my advice is just to put yourself out there, start with that, just do it attitude. And then from there, just make those tiny steps. Like instead instead of thinking of it as a giant process, which it is, just take it one smaller step at a time. Right. Um, and, and don't let yourself get over overwhelmed with it and take those small steps. Um, and if you really, if you want it, go for it. Like there's nothing mm-hmm. to stop you but yourself. Right. I love that, you know, take one step at a time. Because if you look at the whole perspective and you try to map out each step, you know, the whole plan, you're going to get overwhelmed. You know, you, it's going to lead to bread out to a certain extent and you won't be able to map out every piece of it i think it's important to just take that step um, and slowly and surely you'll figure it out so it's a great piece of advice Uh, megan thank you again i really appreciate you coming on my podcast and sharing your your great advice it's been awesome and so thank you and and i hope all the best for you Uh, listeners if you have any questions please contact us via linkedin and also i highly recommend checking out megan's traveling blog and resources around changing careers and you can do that on her website uh, which i'll include a link to as well in my posting but with that thank you everyone so much for listening and have a great day 